Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm Matt Miller, lead draft writer at BR, and I got the birthday boy with me, Connor Rogers. Happy birthday, my man. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate that. The uh, the big irrelevant jump from 26 to 27. I was going to say, are you, you're 27 now, so yeah. nothing. Well, you don't really get thing, anything with that one. The only thing that feels weird is I, when I started at Bleacher Report, I was 22. So it's like kind of like a holy shit moment now that I am 27 and I am still here, which is a really good thing. But other than that, there's been uh, no change so far. I still have all my hair. And I oh, think, you son of a bitch. I, I feel that <laughs> was a little jab. <laughs> I feel all right. Uh, so. Yeah. Still in shape. Still have all your hair. And uh, still can't grow a beard, though. So. No, not at all. <laughs> not even something that resembles a beard. It's all right. It'll come. Uh, 30 is what my dad used to tell me. Wait till you're 30, then try to grow one because otherwise you just embarrass yourself. So uh, you got three more years to, to work on that. Uh, we're going to have a fun show, man. We have Jim Nagy, uh, the director of the Senior Bowl. He's going to rejoin us. He was on uh, over the summer. It's going to be great to have him back to talk about uh, being out there scouting. We're going to go around the league and we're going to do a ton of draft on draft questions. I, I said this on the Monday morning show. And I was like, damn, you guys really blew it out with draft on draft questions. Nope. I was wrong. Not now you have like from, from Sunday till Tuesday morning when we're recording this, I told you I went through 50 questions. So thank you guys for doing that. I think it also just shows that we're at that time of year where there's college football news and interest. There's draft news. There's NFL stuff that you guys want to get through. So we appreciate that you're turning to us to get that information. And, I promise we're going to do our best to get as many questions in every week without it just becoming like a Q&A for an hour and a half. So we're going to do our best. Keep sending those in. We're falling behind. It's we like, are. So we do apologize. If we don't get to your question on this show, we're going to try to keep pushing them uh, forward and forward. But always use hashtag draft on draft because I found that's the easiest way to search for it. When it, it is. You know, so just keep doing that. And we're going to do our best to get through all of them and maybe even do, you know, a real special edition show of draft on draft. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Before we jump into around the league, a couple bits of of notes and news that we want to get to. I got to shout out our guy, Anthony, um, at A2Low11 on Twitter. Uh, Mello and I talked about this energy drink bang that we've started drinking. And this dude shipped us a case of beef jerky and bangs to the Joplin office. So, uh, way to come up big. That's like, whew, you want to be, be on the Listener Hall of Fame. That is one way to do it. So thank you to Anthony. And then also, as if you follow Connor and myself and Mello on Twitter, which you should be if you listen to this podcast, you saw the, the pictures go out about the tailgate in Ohio State. And I think, Connor, you put it best. We're not taking an RV. We're taking a trailer that converts to a bar, basically, to Columbus, Ohio for the tailgate. And... It's going to be wild. It's just going to be ridiculous. The tailgate starts at 5 a.m., by the way. So 5 a.m., Columbus, Ohio. We're in the RV lot. You can check Twitter for a a picture of the location where we'll be set up. But that's going to be a fun one. And then in just a couple days, unfortunately, uh, Connor's not going to make it because it's his birthday weekend. But we are tailgating in Joplin. Myself and Mello uh, will be out there from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. when the kickoff is. July 18 at Missouri Southern. So if you're in the Southwest Southwest Missouri driving area, come on out. We're going to have a great time and we'll be recording a lot of the show there. So you can get your draft on draft question in live. I think that's all the are, like, are you bringing the, I call it the CFB paradise pop out to Joplin too, 
Or so the, it, natty, the Natty Wagon yeah, is yeah, what yeah. I'm calling it. Fueled by <laughs> Moscow Mule. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually the RV dealership. It's called Mid-America RV, and our buddy Josh owns it. And so it's in Joplin. So, yeah, he's like, you know what? Let me just bring it out this weekend to the Missouri Southern tailgate. We'll give it a test run. And then I, then he's taking it to the Chiefs game. It goes to oh all home God. chief. So he's going from us to a Chiefs game. And he's in Vegas right now. So he's going Vegas, tailgating with us, and then Arrowhead. So I, Josh might, you know, RIP. We might have thoughts and prayers for Josh Monday morning because it, it's going to be a tough weekend for him. But, yeah, we will have the... I don't, it needs a catchy name, but yeah, we'll have the we'll have the trailer out tailgating this weekend. It's gonna be so fun. I, if you haven't seen the pictures or the location yet, go check it out on Matt's Twitter. It's unbelievable. I, that's gonna be such a fun tailgate. It sounds like we're gonna have a ton of people there. So come by, have fun. Uh, we'll have tons of stuff to give out, and as always, it'll be a good time. And we'll do a show, of course. So, yeah. But Matt, we got a lot to talk about, or you know, around the league, starting with the NFL. Of course, we're gonna get into some college football as well. But the first thing, really, because this is the only head coaching job open right now, there will be plenty, but Cleveland Browns and Bruce Arians not really holding back. Is he playing up to this or is this for real? Like, I can't get a get because I thought he did not have interest in coaching anymore. So I thought the same thing. And I actually I didn't talk to him, but I talked to somebody really close to him last year about this time. And I, I think I told you about this conversation where it was like, no, he's just done. You know, he's just kind of tired and he's been coaching forever and he just he's ready to to call it. And I think some of it too was like seeing the end of that team. Like Carson Palmer was done. Larry Fitzgerald was getting close to the end. And that didn't seem like a team that was going to be very competitive. So it, he was just going to kind of ride out with the end of that. But now you look at Cleveland. And the the one reason that I find this really interesting is if you guys haven't read Bruce Arian's book, it, it's worth reading. It's really a good book has a lot of insight into his career, to his offensive uh, strategy and philosophy. Um, and it, it kind of, you know, opens the door to, to a lot of his thinking. And, and it, it's called the quarterback whisperer. Uh, and our, our guy, Lars Anderson, who uh, actually used to write at BR, helped write this. So it's worth reading. But in it, Arians talks about all the quarterbacks he's had and all the, the traits that they bring to the table and why he loved them, whether it's Luck or Big Ben or Carson Palmer. And it, looking back on that, I could totally see him wanting to work with Baker Mayfield because of his athleticism, his toughness, his football IQ, uh, his ability to just find and operate in space. Like, I could see him being a draw. You know, we've talked before about will, will Lincoln Riley take the Cleveland job? And you obviously have to deal with some shit ownership there, and you have to deal with a very tough division. But I think the draw of Baker Mayfield a lot of salary cap money and a very good front office could be enough to get someone like Bruce Arians to come out of retirement and take that job. If there's mutual interest. Yeah. I think when you look at it, the driving factor that gives Cleveland more credibility than ever is John Dorsey being there. I think people will like working with John Dorsey and trust him. I think before that the Browns didn't have a guy in place like that. So when you look at Arians, he just turned 66, but I mean, when he took over the Colts for 12 games, he went nine and three. And then he went, he never, his first three years in Arizona, he won 10 games, 11 games, then 13 games. Like, this is a coach that gets shit done. It's as simple as that. Now, he's an older coach, and I, it's, it's interesting, because do the Browns want to make a hire where 
they're like, okay, we want this guy to be here for the next decade. Because if you do, you're not going after Bruce Arians. Right. Because I just don't think he'll coach for another decade. That's a lot to ask for one of the most stressful jobs in the entire country, head coaching. But, I mean, do you see Jason Garrett's eyes on Monday Night Football? It looks like he hadn't slept in eight months. Like, that's how stressful a position it is. It's interesting with Cleveland because I agree with you, Matt. I think they they can sell what they've built there. Lincoln Riley, it's going to take, I've already heard, it's going to take, I mean, the sun and the stars to get him out of Oklahoma. Now, that's not, doesn't mean it's impossible. I think the NFL is in his future, but it's going to take a lot. There's been buzz around Matt Campbell being a target there, which yeah. does add up. I, I know he's been connected to Ohio State over the summer, but the jump to the Browns isn't that crazy. But Arians, if Cleveland wants to win now, I think Arians jumps to the top of the list. And that's a great point. If they want to win now, they hire Bruce Arians. And I think they do. That's the thing. Yeah. Like I don't think they're like, oh, we can just keep building. And it's like you're number 900 in a row of rebuilding. Like right. They do want to win now. Exactly. And they feel like they have some pieces. Now, I, I hadn't planned on talking about this, but we'll do it because you kind of went there. I, I was talking to someone this morning on my drive into work, someone who is high up with an NFL team. And uh, he said, Lincoln Riley is going to look great in Dallas next year. I think and that's it's like, spot. it's just, all, it's like, it's so obvious if he, I, so I think if Lincoln Riley is going to go to the NFL, I think it would be Dallas. Jerry Jones can offer him the sun and the moon and the stars um, and can, can give him the money, the prestige. And I, I know Dallas is actually, I think Dallas is a little behind Cleveland in terms of team building right now, but like you would rather go to Dallas than to Ohio, like than to Cleveland, Ohio. You'd rather go to Dallas. There's no state income tax. It's warm year round. And you get to play in the, the nicest stadium with the best facilities. And those things matter. So I, I think if Lincoln Riley is going to go, you know, he's going to make the what three hour drive south from Norman to Dallas and, and just set up shop at the star. Yeah, I, I don't, I completely agree. I think that's the ideal landing spot. I, I really can start to sense change in Dallas. I think shit is finally hitting the fan there. And if you're Lincoln, you look at it and you go like, okay, well, are they going to give me the decision to decide on the future quarterback here? Because yeah. I don't think it's Dak Prescott. I, I think Dak is a, just, I know everyone says it, but it's true. It's kind of a high end backup. If he's your starter, that's not great. If he's your number two, that's awesome. I don't think Dak will ever be the guy in the top 15 that can take you to the next level. It just doesn't seem like that. And he's been put in tough situation at times, but some of the you know load does fall on him. I think if they can entice a coach like Lincoln Riley to come there, the first thing he'll do is, okay, well, I, I want to make personnel decisions at the at the quarterback spot. So yeah, it could be and a lot I of change. Say, I think the Cowboys have played that smart. Like they haven't been great, right? But Dak is incredibly cheap still. So like they've rode this out of, hey, let's find out if he's the guy. Yeah, no need to rush. Yeah, it's cool. Um, And and I would actually like to see another coach in there just to see if somebody else can tap into it and like develop a scheme that's going to help him reach his potential that we saw two years ago. And now you have some talent at receiver. Like with, I'm, I'm not a big Amari Cooper guy, but like Amari Cooper and Alan Hearns is, and Michael Gallup is not a bad trio at receiver. Uh, the offensive line should be good. So I think a, a coaching change could, it, you at least want to do that before you, you know, pull the plug out of the bath and, and you know, start all over. Uh, one more thing on Cleveland. And uh, it's funny, like this being such a draft show, we're going to talk about Cleveland 
a lot over the next six months. Always have since the birth uh, always of the have, show. right. So it's going to continue. There was a report that Mike Munchak, uh, the Steelers O-line coach, is someone the Browns would be interested in. And doesn't that to you just feel like the most Browns thing ever of like, we have all these candidates, Lincoln Riley, Bruce Arians, Matty Campbell, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels is, is said that he wants to throw his hat back in the ring. A lot of good candidates out there. And you're going to go after Mike Munchak. To me, that's just like, it's mind blowing. And I don't know if I could see John Dorsey doing this, but I think I could see Jimmy Haslam doing it. That is a hire that I would rip to shreds. Because of what you just said, you finally have leverage as the Cleveland Browns to go get a forward thinking, you know, impressive offensive head coach. And you take two steps back and go after Mike Munchak. I think this is probably maybe it's leaked from his camp. Maybe a a guy that wants to get back into the head coaching, you know, uh, of the league. But uh, no shot. This is no excuse. This shouldn't even be under consideration. It's not even close. Get, be innovative. You just yeah. took Baker Mayfield number one overall. If that's not like the, I'm putting you know my balls on the table here and sent in being a forward thinker because there's all the guys that were not were against Baker Mayfield like oh he's short this and that you know what I mean you're thinking of all the old school reasons why he won't pan out. Uh, just you already took a step forward. Do not take two steps back. Mike Munchak, just no way, no way. Yeah, I'm with you. I would, I would widely make fun of that hire and just rip it to shreds. You have a guy who he was the head coach of the Titans for three years and they were just average, just incredibly average, but could not do could not scheme up anything. So of all the possibilities, that's my least favorite one that's been floated out there. Uh, let's move into some draft news. Trey Adams left tackle for the university of Washington has battled a back injury this year. And he has officially stated that he will not enter the draft this season. He's going to be back with UW for the 2019 season. If healthy, he's one of the best offensive tackles in that 2020 class. And uh, our guy, Jim Nagy, who's about to join the show, actually said, you know, they're going to have a spot for Trey in next year's senior ball as long as he's healthy. And he will be one of the names that we talk about all through the summer as if, if he's healthy, one of the best players in next year's class. So, Matt, this is what I'd heard on the situation with Trey Adams. Coming into the year, he was viewed as a potential top 15 pick. He needed to stay healthy, and he needed to show that he was, you know, fully fully healthy, returning from injury. And with injuries piling up this year, I had heard most teams were not willing to take a flyer on him until the third round, which is impressive. When you look at the resume of injuries he's had, that goes to show you how talented he is, and also at a position where there's a premium on you know, good pass protecting offensive tackles in the league right now. So this is a great move because if you are around one talent and you're not going to get taken until the third round at the earliest, go back to school and show that you can get healthy. You can get right and you can be a premium player for the 2020 class it, with offensive line. I, age is not a problem. Like remember like Garrett Bowles, I think was a guy that was, you know, a little older yeah. as an offensive tackle. He still went in the first round. So this is actually one of the times where it's it's just a really smart move to go back to school, get yourself right, and get that stock back up. Yeah, no no problem doing that. And and we could see it it actually help him. You know, kind of like Nick Chubb uh, went back at running back to Georgia, got healthy, and it, it helped his stock a lot. Uh, one more guy whose stock is up, my scouts report for you this week, Will Greer not only ripped the heart out of Texas fans on Saturday, but 
this dude is moving up draft boards. I, I know there's going to be dissenters on Twitter who say that he's too short. He plays, they're going to say he plays in an air raid, which he doesn't, and, the, and then they're going to rip him for being a little bit older. I'm here to tell you, in a year where there's not a clear-cut number one quarterback, because Justin Herbert might not declare, Dwayne Haskins is, might not declare, and has been hot and cold. Drew Locke has been very inconsistent at times. I think Will Greer is the guy that could definitely rise up, and a lot of people are going to watch that Texas tape and say, okay, this is what he could do against some NFL talent and some speed in the secondary and he picked them apart and showed playmaking ability, accuracy. It's a beautiful touch. So I think Will Greer is a name that we all need to to maybe take a step back and reevaluate if you already have an opinion of him. I think it's time to kind of wipe the slate clean and start over and, and maybe you know, start with that Texas game and work backward a little bit because he has looked very good. And I actually tweeted this morning on Tuesday, I'm going to spend a lot of today and tomorrow just doing that, just re-watching and trying to wipe away some of the things that I saw early last year before he broke his hand and, and look at him again with a fresh view on this quarterback class. I think that's really interesting because it, it does come back to if Herbert stays, what's stopping Greer from being QB1? Now, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a first-round graded quarterback. I, I don't see that, but that doesn't mean he won't go at the end of the first round or in the top 50, so... It's funny with Greer. It's been all over the place. I watched him over summer, and I, I was really impressed. I think he struggled at times this year. I do think he plays in an offense that inflates his numbers. But at the end of the day, there are some really wow throws he makes. And on top of that, I think he's going to interview very well. So when you look at yeah. Greer, it, he might quietly be one of the bigger risers at quarterback in this class. All right, y'all, we, we've gone a little bit here without having guests on because there's just so much news to get through and a, and a lot of your guys' questions, but I'm excited. I know Connor's excited. We have a guest back this week, Jim Nagy, who is the director of the Senior Bowl. We've had Jim on before. He was a great guest, and there's I don't think any better time to bring on a guy who lived this job as a scout for a long time and now is running, in my opinion, the best of any of the All-Star Games the Senior Bowl. So, Jim, welcome back to the show, man. We appreciate you coming on. Hey, Matt. Hey, Connor. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, so you're living the dream down there in, in Mobile right now, I'm sure. Uh, it's, it's at least a little warmer for you than it is for us. But uh, one thing that I've noticed from your Twitter is that you've been on the road a lot this year. And and also your scouts have been on the road. And, and you guys are doing a cool thing of posting a lot of video behind the scenes, trying to show fans and, and draft fans, especially what it is that you guys are doing. So I, I think one cool thing would be just to hear, like, what's a normal week like for you? Like, we're talking to you on Tuesday morning. You know, what What did you do yesterday? What do you got going on today? Are you hitting the road this week to go to a game? So what's what's your schedule like for us in a given week? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been busy. And, you know, anytime the first year in a new job, um, things are coming at you uh, coming at you fast. And uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, you know, the football part is the easiest part for me just because that's what I'm used to. You know, there's, the, there's a lot of other parts of this job down here in Mobile. Um, you know, around our game, whether it be, you know, halftime show or sponsorship or, um, you know, things of that nature that kind of pull you away from the football a little bit. Um, but on the football side, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Like you said, I've got a great staff uh, working with me. This is the first time we've ever staffed this uh, game with, with former NFL scouts. You know, I've got four guys that have 69 years of experience. Uh, we call them the Senior Bowl 69ers. And uh, they're all over, you know, <laughs> yeah, so we're, uh, they're all over the country, um, really doing a great job. So, you know, last week we were at eight games collectively as a staff, uh, 
I've got two in-house guys here in Mobile that, that get out to games too. So we were at eight games last week. Like you said, posting the player videos. I think we did like 18 or 19 the past couple of weeks each. And uh, so I think for the fall, I don't know, probably around 100 players or whatnot. But I think it gives the fans a little idea of, okay, who are they looking at? What do these players look like up close? I mean, you can tell from some of these videos, um, it's a totally different look from field level as it is, you know, watching tape or watching the TV. So, like, for instance, I haven't seen this Arizona State uh, defensive tackle, Rennell Wren, before. And uh, we posted a, a video of him the other day. And, man, is he a good-looking sucker. Like, you I mean, because you're right down in the drills with these guys during pregame. And, uh, God, he's how you draw him up, a defensive tackle. So, that's been uh, – doing those videos has been kind of fun. You know, it started off as something – to you know, help the profile of our game and expand us on social media a little bit, but it's really turned into a cool recruiting tool as well because you, you tag these kids and uh, within an hour of the game, it's great. They'll start, you know, they'll follow us on Twitter or they'll you know retweet the post or whatnot. So you you know that they're they're paying attention. They know that we're watching them. You know, so we're kind of planting that seed early about the Senior Bowl and putting that in the back of their mind, like, hey, when the season's over, um, I might have this waiting for me, this opportunity. So. It's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, on, a, on an average week, you know, trying to watch as much tape as we can. You know, we're, get, we're getting tape in from the NFL Dub Center for the first time. Um, we sent a contract with the league office, so we're getting all the tape from the Dub Center, watching as much as we can as a staff here. All the scouts, all my scouts around the country are watching it. And then what they're doing is they're watching um, tape of the teams they're going to see that week. You know, so then we'll see them play on Saturdays. Um, they'll get that live look. They'll get the body type. They'll talk to their you know, scouting buddies at the games and their coaching buddies at the games to try to get a feel for the player's character because we're not going into schools um, as much as you would be if you were a full-time NFL scout. So we're trying to get those. We're trying to square, you know, square up that character evaluation as well the best we can. And then they write all the reports over the weekend and submit them on Mondays, just like a normal NFL team would do. So, you know, then in Mobile we get those reports in and we, you know, kind of build the board from there. So, uh you know, that's just kind of that's kind of how our our weeks lay out, and uh, it's been a really fun process. Jim, as a guy that has about twenty years of NFL scouting experience across, I believe four different franchises, and correct me if I'm wrong on that. But has there been any surprises or you know real changes you've been surprised by while going from being an NFL scout to running and being a Senior Bowl scout? It's just a different role. It's um... You know, there, there's a little more to this job, just like I said, in terms of some of the other stuff, you know, some of the public speaking and, and like what we're doing right now, um, you know, doing doing some podcasts and radio shows and media, that, that's a little bit different. So not really surprises, but it is, you know, when you're scouting and you're on the road and you're grinding, um, it's football 24-7. And, it, it you know, it's, it's really exhaustive being on the road. That's why I put out a couple of things on Twitter. I mean, these guys that are out there right now have been away from their families now for, you know, three months. And that's, you know, it's one thing to say that, but until you've lived that, you, you can't really appreciate it. I know a lot of people out there think that, oh, I'd sign up for that job in a heartbeat. And, I mean, it, it, I, I get it. You know, like people love football and they, you know, working in the NFL sounds really cool. And it, and it is. Everyone, you know, scouts love doing it. But it is really hard. Um, so, I mean, the the upside of my job now, and which is a big reason why I took it, was for family reasons. At least I, you know, I can watch the tape and, and go home at night and see my family. So, um, yeah. There's, but in terms of surprises, no. But it's a lot of it's a it's a much different job. 
Yeah, if you want to add our names to that list to to get the tape, man, you know, no worries. We'll... <laughs> <laughs> we won't we won't fight you on it. No, we we wouldn't even yeah. tell anyone. It'd just be our little secret. Uh, sp- speaking of secrets, man, one part that I love about the Senior Bowl is uh, it seems like every year there's a player or two there that maybe you haven't heard of or you've heard of, but you haven't had a chance to see in person. So you get to go down there. And, and like you said, it's so important to see these guys on the field uh, just to, to get an understanding of body type and athleticism and power. But for the small school guys, I think it's important too, because they get a chance to, to play up a little bit. And we saw it last year with Marcus Davenport. We saw it with Will Hernandez, two guys that ended up being top 35 picks after a strong week in mobile. So, are there any small school guys that you've seen so far that your scouts have been telling you about that that you think if they're able to come to Mobile, they're guys that could really help their stock? Yeah, absolutely. And those guys you mentioned were, were kind of mid-major players. You know, those guys were FCS level, but I'm with yeah. you. Like, it is a jump, even from, from you know, going at that level of comp um, to down here against some of the SEC and Big Ten and, and ACC, Pac-12. So, yeah, some small school guys that, that have really stood out this year to us that we've actually been able to see live on a, on a few of these guys, um, like Nasir Adderley, uh, the safety from Delaware. Yeah. Now, he's a little undersized for safety, and the teams I've talked to, like that will be the knock, will be a little bit of a size knock, um, but really good athlete. He can really run. He's got great range, uh, really good ball skills. He runs good enough. He's, if, you know, if we can get him down here, I know a lot of teams are going to want to see him at corner. So he might rep some at corner and one-on-ones because he's got that kind of flexibility. So he's a really interesting guy. You got Corey Ballantyne, another corner from Washburn University. Um, you know, 5'11", 185, really good mover, really good athlete. Hard to evaluate because teams don't throw at him. You know, and rightfully so. I wouldn't throw at him either, either if I was if I was an opposing team. But again, really cool mover, good athlete, um, good ball skills. So a guy we'd be excited to have down here is an outside corner. And then looking across the board at some other um, positions, staying on defense, like John Kaminsky. So this is a really cool story. This kid is the University of Charleston in West Virginia, Division II school. Uh, started to get a couple calls on this guy in August. And uh, so we actually went up there, send a, sent one of our scouting assistants up to check this kid out. And he his story, I might get the height and the weight a little off, but I think the kid was like, you know, six foot, six two, or something like that. Two hundred and ten pounds coming out of high school. I think he was a quarterback, and he just kept growing and growing when he was in college. And now he's a six foot. They list him at six. I don't have verified measurables, but they list him at six five, two seventy five, and uh, incredible athlete. Dominates Division two like you want to see a small school guy do. Um, and you know, just checking on checking in with NFL teams and what they they. You know, kind of confirm and trying to confirm what we see. I mean, everyone's seeing the same thing. He's a dominant player, really athletic, really versatile. Um, so the league's really fired up about him and getting him down here Senior Bowl week um, against better competition will be will be huge for him. That's the beauty of the Senior Bowl. I mean, especially for us. I know it was only one practice last year before he got hurt, but seeing Nathan Shepard, a guy from Fort Hayes State of all places and Canada before that, take on that top level competition. It really opens your eyes. And that's really one of the beautiful things about the senior bowl, but we're so accustomed here, Jim, to the classic, you know, media day before practices start two practices a day, Tuesday to Thursday, and then the game on the weekend. Are there any changes coming to the standard senior bowl format that we're so accustomed to? No, we're going to, we're, we're going to keep it status quo. We, if it's, if it ain't broke, don't, you know, yep. Agree. You know, don't try, don't try to fix it. So no, we're, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be the same format practice, you know, 
three good practices. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are all really good evaluation days. They're in pads every day. You know, Friday we'll we'll take the pads off, light walk through, and that's our big community service day down here. So, no, what you guys are used to seeing down here will stay the same. You guys can you guys can stay in your Vets routine and and know when you got to be up for practice. You'll be good. I was going to say, uh, you know, I mean, there's some important after hours events that happen in Mobile. So uh, good to know we can keep our keep our dinner reservations the same and, and every nothing changes. Uh, one thing I didn't have planned to ask you, but I, I think it's important for all our listeners, because we've always built the senior bowl as like there are so many people who got their start, whether it's in the league or media by going down there and, and making connections and just being willing to like work your tail off and make a name for yourself. Is this still something that you feel like is going to be open to, you know, like the the senior bowl has always been great about credentialing young guys, young guys or girls who want to work in media and you could go down there and make connections. Whereas like the combine that you have to give a blood sample and like prove your ancestry to get a (laughs) a credential to that thing is the senior bowl. Do you think always going to be pretty open and, and friendly to the younger people in the draft media? Absolutely. As long as, as long as I'm, as long as I'm in this role, it will be. I mean, that's to me, that's the beauty of, of the senior bowl and, and being in a city like Mobile is that it's really an intimate setting. You know, Mobile's a, a smaller town. You get a nice small town feel. If you sat over there on the, on the corner of government and, and Royal street, you'd see everyone in the NFL walk by over the course of the week. I mean, if you, if you, if you wanted to come across the head coach or a GM, I mean, you'd, you just sit down on one of these corners, you'll see them. Um, it's not like, like you said, it's not like Indianapolis, which is a bigger city, more spread out. So, no, we, we want to continue to do that. Like you said, um, this, is, this is kind of an unofficial, um, you know, it's like, it's like an unofficial reunion spot for a lot of people in the league. And it's also an unofficial, um, you know, it's like the coaches convention where people go to get jobs, like a job fair almost, you know, for a lot of guys trying to break in. This is a perfect platform for them. I, you know, when I meet a lot of young kids, when I was in the NFL, they asked, you know, how do you get into this? How do you get into scouting? I said, well, my only advice would be come to the, go to the senior bowl and go to the combine and uh, bring resumes and, and do what you can to get in front of people and, and cultivate those relationships. So no, that'll, that'll definitely stay the same. Yeah. You really never know who you're going to run into. I remember my first senior bowl, I think I was 23 years old and uh, I grew up in a family that had jet season tickets from like Shea stadium days and I was sitting behind Todd Bowles on the plane. And I was like, that, it kind of set the tone for the week of how normal it is to just be around head coaches, scouts, GMs, and everybody else. It's so cool. Such a great environment. So speaking of that environment and getting this thing going, when do you guys start announcing uh, invites and accepted invites for this year? Yeah, so um, planning on for the first round of invites to go out at the end of this week. So the way we do it, you might not hear about them. We're not going to release them. Um, because what we do is we send the invite to the head coach and then it's up to the head coach's discretion when he wants to uh, give that invite to the player, you know, and that, that really varies by school. I know it at some of the smaller, some of the smaller schools, um, you know, they'll, they'll probably get the invite two minutes after the coach gets it in his office. And some of these bigger schools and the coaches have, you know, a little more going on and, and bowl games and, you know, BCS stuff in the back of their head. I mean, they might hold on to them. So, no, the first round of invites will go out right now. Um, just looking at the board, we've got over it, – it's going to be a little over 50 players. We'll get this first round of invites. Now there's um, also a slew of, of juniors that we've identified um, that are going to be December grads that, that, that would be a part of that first, first crew, but we're going to hold off on those until they actually declare. We don't want to, um, you know, kind of persuade guys to come out early knowing that they could come to the Senior Bowl. we got to 
really got to uh, be mindful of those relationships with the school, so we can't do that. But um, there's a bunch there's a bunch of good junior graduates in this year's class. And that's one of the cool things is to see. I mean, like, you know, last year, obviously, we were all watching Josh Allen. Like, okay, when's he graduating? Like, let's let's get this thing done so he can, you know, be senior bowl eligible. And, get it. and once he declared it, I think the writing was kind of on the wall. But that is one of my favorite additions that we've seen over the past few years is to be able to get those, you know, fourth-year seniors who have a degree in there. Uh, one last question, and I've been sitting on my hands waiting to ask you about this one. You tweeted something out about how the University of Kansas, they're looking for a new head coach, and that you believe, as do I, that they should go after someone who runs more of like an old-school triple option, like Navy, Georgia Tech, go back to old-school Nebraska, that Tommy Frazier and Scott Frost and Eric Crouch and those guys. But I completely agree with you on this, that if you can't, if you can't beat Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State running the spread, try something different. Go for the triple option. With your background in coaching and scouting, how difficult do you think it would be for Kansas to, to make that transition? I think it'd be easy for them. They just need to make up their mind that they want to do it. Um, they got to bring in the right coach. You know, look what Army's done. I mean, they've, they've, they've completely flipped that program oh, around. Yeah. Um, so, no, it, it makes so much sense because, like, like you, the, the tweet that you referenced, when you go into a school the week before someone plays Georgia Tech or, you know, Navy, I mean, those, those coaching staffs, they look like they hadn't slept in weeks, you know, just trying to prepare for those teams. And they're really hard to prepare for because, one, schematically it's difficult. It's so much different than what you're, you know, facing spread offenses. And, two, it's hard to practice against because, you know, all those schools, all they do is cut block. And uh, you don't really want your scout teamers getting into the legs of your, you know, first-team defensive line. Uh, so it's really hard to simulate and practice to get used to that, you know, and, and, and to have a quarterback on your scout team that is used to executing that offense and making the proper reads and making the right pitches. It's, it's just really hard. So to me, I know um, like someone shot back on Twitter about um, how it would hurt recruiting and whatnot. Yeah. It probably hurt recruiting a little bit. Now, if your goal is, if you're an athletic director and your goal is to get NFL players drafted, well then, yeah, it's probably not the right move, but why would ADs care about that? You know, like right. who really cares if you're if you're if you have NFL players drafted? You know, if that's I, I just I don't get that part. To me, if I was an AD, I'd want to I'd want to win games. I'd want to make my boosters happy. I'd want to go to bowl games. Um, I'd want to win games. So and it's me, not like Kansas is, Kansas isn't sending that many guys to the league right now, anyway. So anyway, right? I mean, what's going to change? I mean, I mean, for for a school like Kansas, so I mean, I to me. It just makes the most sense. You want to win games. That's the quickest turnaround, and you can sustain it. You can really sustain. I mean, look what Navy's done. Look what they're, look what they're doing at Army right now and building that thing up. And Georgia Tech, I mean, Paul Johnson, his winning, his winning percentage is unbelievable. Guys won like 80-some games in 10 years at, at Georgia Tech in the ACC. Yeah. You know, he's been, he's been to three ACC championship games, so, um, which is more than Miami. You know, Miami's cranked out all these NFL players, and Georgia Tech's been to more ACC championship games. So, no, that's just that's my take. I mean, I that's what I would do if I was Kansas AD. Jim, thanks so much for joining us, man. We are really looking forward to getting down to Mobile this year. And guys, if you're not following Jim, please do on Twitter. It's at Jim Nagy underscore SB. Follow the Senior Bowl. That him and his team are just they're pumping out a ton of video content, and you get to the Senior Bowl and you'll know a lot of the players that are going to be there. So. Thanks again, Jim. We look forward to seeing you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Look forward to getting you down here in Mobile. Once again, thanks to Jim Nagy for joining us, the director of the Senior Bowl. His first year in that role, and those guys are absolutely crushing it. So it's always good to catch up with him. 
Uh, Mobile is going to be really awesome this year. We're looking forward to it as always. But now we got a, a ton of draft on draft questions to get through. And it, it, so once again, sorry if we don't get to all of them. We're going to do our best this year to continue to catch up on them. The first one for at underscore Joseph F11. Who do you think will have the best career? Jair Alexander, Denzel Ward, Minka Fitzpatrick, Mike Hughes, or Josh Jackson? Ooh, great question. Damn. I'm not going to go against Ward. I'm not either, and I know he's hurt right now, but and Jair Alexander is playing great. Like He's playing great, and I know he was a player that you liked a lot, a player we both liked a lot. I, I think Josh Jackson is is you know struggling a little bit with that transition. We might eventually see him play safety. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I'm going to go with Denzel Ward, though. I, I, he's a playmaker, man. It, it, the only thing that's going to hold him back is is getting hurt. I, I'll say Minka Fitzpatrick has been very good this year. I yeah, mean, besides, besides Quincy and Nunma carrying him about 15 yards in, in a disgusting football game on Sunday, I mean, he's been so good in coverage. I, I do think he's a very good tackler, but I think when you look at Ward, he can be a true shutdown outside corner. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to see Minka get on the field more. Like, I think that's one of the big keys. They're like, starting to finally play him yeah. over Rashad Jones, but like you said, Matt, it, you know, for these young secondary guys, sometimes it just takes a little while to find your your full-time role. Yeah, yeah, but can't go against Denzel Ward, you're right. Uh, all right, our guy Corey, he sent in two questions. We're just going to use one for the, the Wednesday show. Some college teams use the running back by committee approach while others have feature backs. Being part of a committee preserves health, but guys don't get as many chances to shine. How do you take this into consideration when evaluating running backs? I mean, when you look at it, you you can see everything you need to know on film. And it's interesting when you look at a guy like Alvin Kamara. Uh, remember how long yeah. he sat behind Jalen Hurd? And it, it, when it comes too down... Too damn long. Right, too damn long. But when he got his chances, you're like, oh, this guy is a great pass catcher. He's awesome in the open field. Everyone was still too low on him at the end of the right. day. I, yeah. Yeah, but you could see everything you need to know. I mean, teams make mistakes in terms of rotating guys sometimes, and the film does not lie, especially at the running back position. And I think one thing that, that like, I'm going to hammer home for the next four months or or six months, however long we have until the draft. Really long. Really long. The traits matter, right? Traits matter, in my opinion, more than production. Now, you want to see both. You want to see a guy have the traits that lead to production. But at running back especially, I don't knock a guy if he rotates carries like Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. Like, I didn't care that they shared carries. They were both really fucking good. So it's like, okay, well, this guy does this well, this guy does that well. And try to look at it that way. Like, I think like the, the foundation of scouting is what does this player do well? And then as a coach, your job is to put that player in positions to do those things. So with guys who are on a committee, it, it's not one of those things where I look at of like, oh, he's not even good enough to, to be a feature back or he's not even good enough to start because that's just that's how the league works now is you're going to have two to three running backs. So not a big deal for me. I, I think if you evaluate the traits and the guy has the traits, then then you go from there. And, and uh, some right. scouts really like finding those running backs buried in committees because they know they can get them later in the draft. That's the thing with the committee backs. Now you have guys being hidden and that yeah. really helps. Yeah, absolutely does. Yeah. And guys don't have the wear and tear that they used to have, which is so huge. So, all right, Tyler Warden, uh, one of my favorite Our people good to get friend. tacos with. Love getting tacos and drinking tequila with this guy. How do you evaluate a player you suspect has been playing hurt? Khalil Tate played like shit for the first half of the year when some suspected an ankle injury. Then, after taking two weeks off, he has phenomenal back-to-back games. That is tough, man. And it, that's one of those things where it's it's hard this time of year when people want your, like, week-to-week 
you know, opinion of a player where you truly need to be able to step back and be like, let's, let's slow down. Let's talk to some people at Arizona to figure out what's going on. And it, unfortunately they might not talk to you in season about it because they they're trying to protect a guy or uh, that, you know, you want a competitive advantage, but that is something where you try to just put it in your notes. And then in January, you go back and talk to people at Arizona and be like, Hey, what was the deal with Tate this year? And they might say, yeah, you know, he looked a little slow, a little timid early in the year. He was dealing with an ankle and we gave him time off and he looked great. So it's just one of those things you have to be diligent about, but um, you know, have like you'll know if a guy's playing hurt because you can look at last year's tape and you can look at the tape after the injury and be like, oh, okay, well, you know, he's been banged up. I think Dexter Lawrence at Clemson is another guy who's a good example of that, where I think last year there were times he was pretty banged up. And that was like my perception of him as a player was him hurt. Now you watch him healthy and it's, it's like a completely different guy. So it's, it's something you, you really have to be mindful of. Yeah, and, and I think it goes back to another guy last year was Darius Geis. The first couple of weeks, everyone yeah. was like, what's wrong with Geis? And you were hammering at home. You're like, I talked to everyone at LSU. He's playing hurt. He's playing through injuries. He finishes the year strong. He was phenomenal in training camp and preseason before he tore his ACL. So it, it really does matter. This next one from one of our favorite listeners, Anthony Mangaluzzo. What are the odds for each of these guys that they are the Giants quarterback for next year? Eli, <laughs> Teddy B, Herbert, Haskins, the field. Okay. Oh, man. I, Eli, 10%. Something went horribly wrong if Eli's the starting quarterback. <laughs> Teddy B, I'll say 20%. He's a free agent. Yep. Uh, Herbert, it depends if he declares, I'll say 30%. So that leaves us at 60% filled. I'll give Haskins 10% and the field 30. I uh, the only difference I have there I don't think I would put Haskins at like 1%. Yeah, that was like, I kind of overshot that yeah. one. Yeah. Um I I think I could see it being Teddy B. I could see someone like Joe Flacco like if they decide Yikes. that they finally had enough in Baltimore, Derek like, Carr. It, yeah, it just So here's the thing on that. I still think that Derek Carr stays in Oakland. Well, I, another I, year. They don't need to rush. Right. Why rush? Exactly. So I, I still, I think he's going to be there. So uh, for the Giants, man, I, I think if Herbert declares, they draft him. And I know it's like November and it says a weird thing to say the first week in November, but it just, he's so far ahead of the field as a quarterback prospect that if he declares, he's going to be a top five pick and they're the team most likely to draft a quarterback early. So I don't like that fit. I don't think it's the best spot for him. I don't know that he's worth the top five pick, but Need is going to dictate that he gets drafted earlier than he should. And they've sent someone to all of his games. I know we usually like say, hey, don't get caught up in that. At yeah. some point, it's like, okay, they're placing there's a smoke. Pre- there's fire. They're placing a premium on watching this player. Like how how many times did the Jets go watch Sam Darnold? Oh, like a lot. A, a ton. A lot over the last three years. And so. then it really became like a, hey, we have no shot at this kid because he's going one or two. But which is funny because they felt the same way about Jamal Adams the year before. Same thing. I remember, I think it was Todd Bowles said to Jamal Adams, like, man, I would love to see you again, but I won't after he left the private visit. And crazy things happen. See you when we play you. Yeah. And then shit gets weird. All right. Next question. Speaking of shit getting weird, Sports (laughs) Fiend on Reddit. This This is is a fun one. This is good. It's hot. With the Heisman Trophy presentation coming up, it made me wonder about you guys saying you wanted to have a vote and who deserves the prestigious award. So what if you had to do one of the following 
for one year to get the lifetime vote, which would you pick and why? So he's basically saying, we're going to have to earn our vote. And here are the four options he gave us for one year. Be, be celibate. I couldn't even say it. No alcohol. <laughs> become a vegan or be homeless living on the streets for one year to get a lifetime Heisman Trophy Man, vote. I, I'm not going to be homeless on the streets. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not going to be celibate. No, your hinge app is too fire for that, man. The hinge is firing <laughs> off. Uh, um, I, I, isn't it weird I keep matching with uh, respiratory therapists? I just think you just have track. a type. I, I don't, though. Like, it really? tells you who likes you, and it's like three out of the last six, that's been the... I, it's really strange. Maybe, that's, you know, like some people have, like, they like blondes, or they like brunettes, or tall girls, or short I, girls. Maybe you like people who work in the medical field. I, that is true. I do tend to... Because they're so different from what I do every day. It's like, oh, I talked about football behind a microphone today and you saved someone's life. So I like yeah. that it makes me feel. Um, also, it you could, know. you know, to play armchair psychologist, it could like speak to your need to be nurtured. You know? Oh, me out of all people. I've been single yeah. for like four <laughs> years. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, I think this is insane for me because I eat steak like 95 times a week. I think I would become a vegan. Of the four, that's the one you have to pick. Because, especially, I don't know what it's like everywhere else. New York City now, like, there's so many vegan places where you eat whatever they have and you you barely taste the difference. It's insane. Yeah. They've just it's taken it to another level. way here. <laughs> um, it's a little bit different in Missouri. <laughs> you can figure uh, it out, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I'm not, I would love to sit here and tell you, like, like yeah, I, I'll be celibate or I won't drink for a year, but, like, you're, I'm lying. That, there's going to yeah. be a hiccup somewhere. Dieting, it's like, okay, I guess. It's not fun. Now, the so question is, would I do it for a Heisman right. vote? I think here's, I, 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 so I was going to say, I don't think I want a Heisman vote that bad. Yeah, maybe not. Like, it's not worth it. I don't need one. Or maybe we'll just, you know, buy someone's vote. Yeah, because, like, what I, I'm not banging on the table to vote for Tua this year. Like, I, I would do it to be funny. Like, I would vote for... Um, Who's my favorite punt? The UCLA punter. Oh, yeah. That's who I would vote for. But then they would kick me off the voting committee instantly. <laughs> or somebody would leak it, and they'd be like, this is what stick to football's yeah. vote for right. the Heisman was. They voted for a punter. My favorite so. long snapper. Like, who was it? The Navy long snapper from a couple years ago? Yeah. That was my guy. Uh, what was his name? Joe Cardonia. Cardonia. <laughs> <laughs> I will only ever say it that way. That's so. the best. Great question from Sports Fiend. All right, this next one from Evan Gonzalez. What's up, guys? Who do you feel would be most deserving of a New Year's Bowl if UCF slips up among the teams of the group of five? Fresno State, Utah State, etc. Yeah, I would actually pick uh, Fresno State. Like, I love what they're doing yeah. this year. They're eight and one. They just made a nice jump in the in the rankings. They're up to sixteen. I mean, Utah State obviously playing well, but uh, I I have a soft spot for Fresno State. I think just from like watching them growing up and. It's a, a wide open uh, passing attack with uh, Marcus Mc, McMary and their quarterback. So like, I, I like what they do offensively, but like this is also a pretty good defensive team, which we're like, we're not used to saying when it comes to Fresno state, but it's a, it's a good team. I would, I would be all about watching them play. Yeah. I'm with you there. I, I've been really impressed by them. They have some nice wins on that schedule. And the, the biggest thing is that I like about the new year's bowls is it gives teams recognition that didn't get it all year. And I think Fresno State falls into that category. So, all right, this next one from KSOX07. Because this draft is not viewed as a deep draft, 
How do you feel about the middle rounds? And is there possibly third to fifth round pick who might be a breakout candidate, rookie of the year candidate, if put in the right situation? Man, I, I have actually said, and I, I had a mock draft that came out Tuesday morning. You guys could check out in the BR app. But I've said before, like, I don't like the depth of this class. So, you know, as of right now, and I know it's, it's like early because we don't exactly know who's in and who's out, but hey, I'm I'm not in love with the depth. If I were going to pick someone, you know, to be like a second or third round guy who could be a stud, it would maybe be someone like Dakota Allen, the linebacker from Texas Tech, uh, who you know, got in a little bit of trouble, had to go uh, play Juco ball. He was on last chance you, then he goes back to Texas Tech. And, and he is a very good playmaker, especially in coverage. I think he fits like that nickel linebacker role really well. So he would be someone that I would probably highlight as a, a guy that, you know, could be that day two pick, may, maybe like Darius Leonard or Fred Warner to, to, you know, be a second, third round guy and now be playing really, really well. I think for me, now that Rodney Anderson, the former Oklahoma running back is in, you know, he might slip because of the season ending injury. But if he's healthy and ready to go and he falls into a situation where he's the primary back, I could see him being a day two pick that has the offensive numbers to win the rookie of the year or at least fight for it. So Anderson would be the guy that is, you know, quiet now been slept on because of injury, but I I wouldn't pick against him. Yeah, that's a I, I like that a lot. Yeah, if, if he could just stay healthy, he's so damn it's the good. Biggest, biggest question. All right, Captain Sweaty Pants. That's great. It's a great fucking name. <laughs> I know Lincoln Riley said he plans on staying at OU, but if the Green Bay Packers head coaching position opens up, do you think he would actually pass on it? It's better. It's a better position than the Browns. That's actually really interesting. I have always said that the the Packers job is like one I would actually go take, like to to work for them at a, a high enough level to where the money made sense, but like. Working for the Packers is just, I mean, that's an NFL legacy team. You, I think you have to have to like look at that and be like, yeah, it's the fucking Green Bay Packers. Oh, and I have Aaron Rodgers. So I I think you figure out a way to make that work. And you have two first round picks. Oh, shit. That's right. Yeah. So I I would. I don't think he would. It's a football town, too. Oh, God. You know what's weird? I've never been. And I. I don't know why not. But like, like I, I'm sitting here trying to think, why have I never been to Lambo? Because it's so like us. Like, oh, you park in somebody's yard and you drink yep. a bunch of beer, eat some bratwurst, and watch football in the cold. Like, okay, that's heaven. Like, maybe the tailgate die, tour makes it. Want to do the tailgate tour needs to make one NFL stop next year, and that's at Lambo. Oh, I'm with yeah, it. That'd be amazing. All right, this one from Kettlebell Dog 420. Man, we have some really good usernames here. Which tight end in the 2019 NFL draft would better fit the current Cowboys offense? Noah Fant or Albert Oegugbenon? Don't even, it's Albert O. Don't even try, man. man. <laughs> I'm usually good and, and bold with names. I Don't slaughtered, slaughtered yeah. that name. We'll, we will get him on the show eventually to I, just tell us how to say it. Fant is the best tight end in the draft. Yeah, so I like I don't think a lot it's better. Close. And I like Irv Smith at Alabama, and I like Caden Smith at Auburn better than I like Albert O. Like, Albert is, I mean, he's an Evan Ingram-type athlete. Like, he's not, you know, he's not going to play in line. He's a pass catcher. He's been hurt a little bit this year. Like, he's he's a big dude, though. He is rocked up. I think he's like 6'5", 260 is what I have in my notes. So, like, he is a big guy, but, man, um, He's going to be fun to watch. I, I think I don't know if he comes out this year because he's been hurt, but he is a fun prospect. But no offense, my guy. Like I'm, I'm not going to 
pick against him. All right. <laughs> this is one from Mr. Catfish Billy. Could you guys talk about Josh Allen from Kentucky some? Always has multiple forced fumbles and tackles for loss every game. Plus, he has a great story. Is he the second best linebacker beyond, behind Devin White? So if if you guys have been missing it, uh, the Monday show is where we hand out our $100 handshakes. And I believe Mello on last week's Monday show had Josh yeah. Allen. So um, yeah. we, we have been talking about Josh Allen. He's going to be a first-round player. Uh, I talked about him last Wednesday, too, because I said he's one of the rare guys to make the right decision to go back. Right. So, yeah, we, we've been talking about him. Uh, I don't think he's going to be listed in the linebacker group. No, though. I think he's, he's going to be on the edge. Now, I would say I have it Nick Bosa, Cleveland Farrell, Ja'Kai Polite, and then Josh Allen. But they're all first round players, first round pass rushers. So Devin White, Devin Bush, those guys will be in their own off ball linebacker group. So I'm crazy, um, and I I was going to save this because I'm putting on a new big board next week. I have Josh Allen at number 10 overall. Like I love him. All right. Um, and I, I liked him very last safe. year. Right. And I, I really liked him last year as well. And uh, a lot of people told me I was crazy for liking him. And it's like, no, I just, I really like it. He's 6'5", 260. He rushes. He's played in space. Like, what's not to like about crazy this guy? Motor. So, right. Uh, but like, like you were saying, this is a great reminder to people. Like, if you're not listening to the Monday show as well as the, and the Friday show, like, uh, you are missing out on a lot of information. We retooled these shows uh, right at the end of summer. And like the Friday show used to be like a, a little ridiculous and fun and not always about football. And it's still very ridiculous at times, but the show is like 90% football. So it, it to get the full stick to football experience, like the Monday morning show, you're going to get hard recaps of the weekend. And like you said, we're going to hand out the $100 handshakes. The Wednesday show that you're obviously listening to is a little more NFL, NFL draft slanted. And then the Friday show is like college football mecca. Like yep. it's picks and previews. You know, it's just like if you're a college football fan and you want to get hyped for the weekend, the Friday show is the one you want to listen to. So that's my shameless plug to get everyone listening to all three episodes per week. And also great fucking name, Mr. Catfish Billy. Like, so good. That is a great name. Uh, all right. Two more questions. This one from Thomas Witter. Draft on draft from a longtime listener from Canada. Let's go, first, Canada. There we go. You guys are so nice. Uh, I might be living there soon. Uh, but my first ever question submitted. Do you believe adding a healthy Tariq Black back to the Michigan wide receiver core with Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins, that they're the most talented group in college football? Also, why isn't anyone talking about Michigan's two stud corners in Lavert Hill and David Long? Thanks. Love the podcast. Keep up the good content. Those Canadians are so, so fucking nice. nice. Jesus, uh, so man. to your first question, yes, I do think that they have the best wide receiver core uh, in college football. And Ooh, it's really not close. I don't think they're better than Alabama's. Oh, you like Judy and the boys uh, and Ridley better? Uh, Judy and... Um... Oh God, I always I always forget his name, but the guy that made the one handed catch and runs like he runs like a four three and all he does oh, is make yeah. plays. Well, they have, and and they I want to count Irv Smith in that category too because he kind of plays like a yeah. So they have Rugs, Devonta Smith, yes, and Judy Rugs. Oh, Judy, I think is yeah. the best wide receiver in the country. It's crazy as they're all true sophomores, but yes, but Michigan. He's right. Michigan deserves a lot of love because these guys are studs. I mean, yeah, Peoples Jones. Are. Now that we get Tariq Black, 
He makes a great point. Michigan, we're going to talk about them a lot on the Monday show because I think they have a very good shot at finding their way. They're in the playoff conversation is the most important point. Michigan is very impressive, and we're going to see them live in a couple of weeks, and we're going to be talking about them a ton. Those two position groups on that team, they're stars. There's no yeah. doubt about it. it. It's tough, though. I just think the Alabama guys are are rare. You know what's crazy, though? The three guys at Bama and the three guys at Michigan are all true sophomores. Oh, yeah. Next year is going to be stacking the deck of wide receivers because you have the receiver from Colorado. You have T. Higgins from Clemson. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. What if if D.K. Metcalf goes back to Ole Miss? Right. Like Uh, I think Ridley at Georgia. He can declare this year, but I do have a weird feeling he might not. So It's going to be a damn good wide receiver class. It's insane. Absolutely insane. But our good friend Thomas from Canada, you make a great point. You make a great point. Yeah, uh, very good. And to the corners, like I have Lavert Hill as like a, a ra- like early round four type player. Um, and and honestly, like I haven't had a lot of opportunity to see him. My notes uh, that I do have on him that he's small and might be a nickel. So, very good college, and, and he's only a junior. So and then with David Long, I've obviously watched him play throughout the course of the season, but because he's a true junior and not someone that the team expected to declare. I haven't spent a lot of time actually scouting him as a player. So not not to like, you know, cop out on that answer, but I just honestly haven't watched him because they don't expect him to declare. All right. This last one from Dam Supa. How does a tackles blocking for lefty quarterbacks affect their evaluation? So for me, it doesn't. And we kind of talked about this a little bit on the Monday morning show when it because of Tua being a left-handed quarterback and will that hurt his stock? It honestly doesn't for me because like I'm looking so much at you know where where do your hands land when you block how do you uh, the timing of throwing your your hands and your feet in terms of recovery balance weight transfer strength you're looking more at those things so it really doesn't change from a lefty to a righty as far as the quarterback goes because if you're a left tackle you're still protecting your left side if you're a right tackle you're still protecting your right side regardless of who the quarterback is so it that's a great question but it really doesn't change anything for me. There you have it. Loaded draft on draft today. I mean, the I people, love doing that. People brought it. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, we'll do a lot more of these on the Friday morning show. And big reminder, if you want to ask a draft on draft question, come to Joplin, Missouri, November 10th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. We will be tailgating. You ask a draft on draft question, you get a koozie, you get one of those kick-ass wristbands we have, you get a sticker, and you get a cold drink. And you get on the mic. And you get on the mic. So you, you can get... say whatever you want. Exactly. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> this show's loosely edited, so yes. you can almost say whatever you want. Uh, and then you'll have that opportunity again if you're not close to Joplin. November 24th, we will be tailgating with the Natty Wagon uh, up in Columbus, Ohio, for Ohio State, Michigan. Moscow so Mule Fuel. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to get you a copper a copper cup, I... a real one, not one of the like, knockoffs. I'm going to get you a real copper mug. And I'm going to bring you ginger beer and vodka. Can that be my birthday gift? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Uh, If anyone of my bosses are listening, I'm going to expense that for Connor (laughs) because it's for a tailgate. But it's cool, guys. Uh, He he deserves it. Uh, Make sure you guys hop on Twitter. Wish Connor a happy birthday. Uh, This show would would be horrible without him. Like, uh, you know, here's how I'm going to end the show. To tell a story. Uh, I met Connor about five years ago now. uh, And was instantly like I loved your work ethic and your hunger and your drive and that you were someone who loved the draft and were willing to do 
anything to move up a Bleacher Report, anything to move up in, in the draft media world. And we kept talking about, what man, like, I would love to do a podcast. And if I ever get one, you're going to be my guy. We're going to do this together because we have a, you know, a, a lot of similarities in terms of how we want to work and, and how driven we are and how we wanted to approach this. So this show would absolutely suck without you, man. Yeah, you, you know, you're one of my best friends. Thanks I love so you much, like a brother. Dude. So happy birthday. And uh, I will have a, a copper mug for you. November 23rd when I see you in Ohio. So guys, this is our show for the day. Don't forget Follow us on Twitter at Sticks Football. Get in there on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you have subscribed. We'll talk to you Friday morning.